Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater. I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Jeremy and I just recently went to a Beloit Snappers versus Quad City River Bandits game in Beloit, Wisconsin, and we checked out Pullman Field, and we had one heck of a time. Yeah, that's right. And if you're following along on in, on uh, social media, uh, we were all over it. We had photos and everything, so definitely make sure you're on that. And um, uh, before we get into that very quickly, I just want to say thanks to all the listeners who've been tuning in. Um, we're able to look at some of our numbers and uh yeah it's great people are like we're, we're reaching some people uh, across the country um we interestingly enough had a, a listener in aruba so uh welcome uh welcome uh, people of aruba yeah I, I always think of that uh beach boys song when That's i hear right. when i hear aruba hey and if you want to take us to aruba Hit us up at raindelaypod at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. So uh, just before, uh, a couple quick things. Uh, uh, Jeremy, you, you mentioned that you wanted to mention that we're now on Stitcher. We are. We're on Stitcher. Um, so if you're not uh, an Apple person, not an iPod, uh, iPhone uh, haver of, of a device person, uh, go ahead and uh, find us on Stitcher. And uh, you can subscribe there and, and listen there. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll get every episode uh, just like through Apple Podcasts. Uh, now, one thing before we uh, jump in here. I did just want to mention that last week we briefly touched on the movie The Fan, and there's a line from The Fan that I that I quote all the time that I forgot to mention during the podcast, and that's when De Niro is, uh, he says, baseball is fair. That's why it's better than life. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those whiny De Niro cockroach-type characters, not like Jake LaMotta. You uh, know, I think, I feel like, I, I, I was recalling you telling that story about him listening to the, uh, was the Rolling Stones? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, start me. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I was thinking of the concept of that, and I was thinking I didn't give it enough. Like last, that's insane. It's so funny. And then I listened back, and I was like, I, okay, I was laughing properly, but like, I gotta see it for just for that scene alone. That's that sounds amazing. Ha. Yeah, great stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll, we'll get more into the fan at some point. Uh, so Jeremy, there was uh, something you also wanted to mention about fantasy baseball too before we got into it here. Oh yeah, we could we could talk about that right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, I am a, a, an indie rock fan and, and as well as well as a baseball fan. There's always been like a weird like a balance of like. Um, uh, you know, like kind of like following like the, 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 the rock and roll uh, scene and also like baseball. And like it led to like some couple of years where I wasn't into baseball because I thought I had to like just be full like, you know, like rock and roll, like punk rock and stuff. And, um, you know, I've gotten back into it. And a lot of my friend, friends are like, uh, you know, music fans and uh, baseball fans. And so uh, one one band that I'm a big fan of is Pavement, uh, the uh, famous, famous uh, indie rock band. And um, I saw an article from I think it was on Paste uh, with Steve Malkmus, the singer from Pavement, um, and he he has a, he's been doing solo records now for a, a long time, actually probably longer than Pavement's been around. And he just was uh, giving fantasy baseball tips. I thought it was pretty funny that uh, like he always seemed like kind of like a, a jockey, like an indie rock jock uh, guy, but. Um, I didn't think he was to the point where he had a fantasy, like he would be giving fantasy baseball advice. But um, he was talking about that he has a league with uh, some other guy, like Mike Mills from REM, and like some other guys, uh, like a guy from Super Chunk maybe or something. So it's pretty cool. Like I think uh, you know, I, it was a little uh, blip on the 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 overlap of the indie rock and like baseball radar. Uh, Steve Malcolm is talking about fantasy baseball. So just go ahead and check that out. It's on Paste. I'll, I'll post the article on the website. You know, uh, just before we jump in here, uh, that's very interesting, Jeremy. There were 
there were a few years, um, sort of when I was in college, where I wasn't following baseball as closely because I was really, um, you know, I was really heavily involved in my my school's theater de- theater department, mm-hmm. and uh, there were not a lot of people who watched baseball. So you know, it's one of like it's one of those things where you know you, you were you were sort of at war with uh, one thing you love versus another. Yeah, uh, but definitely. I think now that we've sort of advanced in age a little bit, there's just no shame in our games anymore. No, no, of course, no, absolutely not. And this podcast is, is proof of that. Like we've <laughs> we've abandoned any sort of other creative projects we were going to do, and we've just decided to sink ourselves and devote ourselves completely to baseball. So that's that's what you got to look forward to. Well, speaking of devotion, I don't think you can get any more devoted than uh, going <laughs> to a, a Class A ball game on a on a rainy and misty uh, 50-something degree uh, Friday, Friday night. night. Yeah, Friday yeah, night. in Beloit, Wisconsin. Um, now, so so we, we drove there. How, Jeremy, how long was that drive? About two hours from Chicago to Beloit? Uh, well, on, only on the account of, like, uh, I think it's normally like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, uh, we, were, we were hitting a little bit of the Friday traffic, so so uh, yeah, it was about a two-hour drive, one uh, like two there, and then yeah. another hour and a half back. Yeah, so we we got there with plenty of time to spare. Though Jeremy and I, uh, when we were uh, pulled over at a gas station in Rockford, we found out that there was a, a really cool card store that owned all of the uh, Chicago Cubs cards, and we wanted to make a stop there, but we found out it was about twenty minutes away. Yeah, um, the collector's bench, I think. You yeah, it. I, yeah, I think it was. And Jeremy, I know you're going to end up going there anyway. I, I know will. you're going to make a special trip. I'm going to do it. I'm going to swing by. I'm going to pick up uh, Lazarito. Armenteros and uh, Austin back throw him in the back of the Honda Fit, and we're going to go check out the cards. <laughs> uh, uh, this was actually Jeremy's first trip to uh, Pullman Field. It was uh, actually not my first trip uh, by a long shot. How I, uh, yeah. However, my dad used to take me there when I was a kid. He used to take me to about one game a summer because uh, I'm from Milwaukee. Uh, but I had not been there since 2002. Last time I was there, Prince Fielder hit a home run, and uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. was also in the lineup for the snappers. So that should give you an idea of how long it's been. Yeah, add that to our resume too. That's another player that Jack saw like before he was a star. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's so, awesome. So uh, Pullman Field, I will tell you, in the 16 years uh, since I've been there, it has <laughs> not changed uh, at all. Yeah, it's um, just the way they like it. Yeah, yeah. It sort of seems like the stadium that time forgot. Um, and what's what's odd about Pullman Field is that it's there's there's nothing else around it. There's no bars, no restaurants. You know, which we, you would kind of think would uh, you know come naturally with a with a baseball field, but it's basically in a neighborhood with just like single family one story houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, yeah, people were living across the street and we were thinking like, oh, you know, well, <laughs> this is the thing, you, um, you know, we think like, oh, how great it would be to go to, uh, you know, to live across from a baseball field. But, uh, you know, those, we were like leaving and those, the stadium lights were still on and, you know, I would imagine that that kind of shines through their, their front windows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, people weren't exactly uh, beating down the doors to get in. So Jeremy and I oh. got there about 5.30 uh, p.m. and there were about five other people lined up out. Well, maybe about what was it about seven like two older couples and then three like ball hawks yeah pretty much i'm not even sure i think there was like there there was a two like old ball hawks and then like 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 the 20 something ball hawks yeah yeah because those people were ball hawks too yeah um, and they were they were kind of barking through the the the, the uh, fence at the people inside like and it seemed like a like a way that they've been there like a million times. They know the people, but it almost it also seemed like he was like, "Come on, let us in!" Mm-hmm. And like it seemed like maybe not that good spirited. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Jeremy. So we had bought our tickets, uh, uh, you know, through the team, and we picked them up at the will call, the ticket office, mm-hmm. right in front of the stadium. And I almost it almost seemed like the vibe I got from the ticket person when you told him that you'd reserve tickets. It's like he didn't know how to handle the situation. Yeah, like exactly. he didn't understand what was going on. The first thing she checked was a a sheet of paper, like a hand written sheet of paper and I'm like oh man is that where my will call information is on but they, they did find those tickets yeah I've been in a situation like that, that before where it's like 
I, I'm clearly the only one who has like pre-ordered tickets. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we were standing outside of the stadium. We were just kind of listening to these ball hawks uh, oh, talking about all of the uh, uh, all of the players that they had gotten and were planning to get. They had probably mentioned every first round draft pick from 2017. They were like, "Yeah, we got Lewis, meaning Royce Lewis. They got I got uh, uh, Joe Joe Adele. He's coming back." Uh, yeah. At one point, they they mentioned Royce Lewis, and they're like, one one guy mentioned like, "Yeah, we're going back to get Lewis," and then the guys. The other guy goes, uh, hey, you think he's going to remember you? As if to uh, indicate that there was some sort of incident like yeah, previously. Yeah, yeah, he was like, oh, I just hope Lewis doesn't remember who I was. Um, so I'd right. like to yeah, hear more about that. Yeah, he's like, I was going to get Enloe, but I didn't want to walk over there. Blaine, Blaine Enloe, <laughs> uh, Minnesota Twins draftee. Yeah. Um, uh, These guys are something else. <laughs> they were, and uh, actually, the older ball hawks started barking at one of the security guards to open up the doors. Yeah, they, they think they were holding the gates at some point, and then like uh, I, someone said, like, oh, there's no one, there's no one at the concession stand. We can't open the the, the gates yet, or whatever. So well, that's that's one of the uh, that's minor league problems, I guess. The concessions <laughs> person was running late. Well, finally, they uh, they did let everybody in, and so just immediately when Jeremy and I got in the stadium, we were uh, sort of gone. Uh, Snappy and two of his uh, two people who worked for the team. His, so Snappy, his Sherpas. yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So Snappy, uh, just to pause, is the uh, Beloit Snappers mascot. He's just basically a big snapping turtle. Yeah, um, and and big in uh, I guess uh, freakishness. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so actually, I have a. Before we move on, I do have a story about Snappy. Now it was it was raining and it was misting out the whole game. We actually didn't see any of Snappy once the game started. Right, that's right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that they probably just didn't want the costume to get wet, so so yeah. they put it away. Uh, but usually he's walking all around the stadium, high-fiving people, and, you know, <laughs> the kids love him. Uh, went back the last time I was there in 2002, so, like, there were a bunch of kids crowding around him all shouting, Snappy, Snappy, and, like, it was too much for Snappy, and so he actually, so Snappy has this just this big-ass tur- tur- uh, turtle shell on his back. It must be a, a pretty hard costume to wear as far as mascots are uh-huh. concerned. So he, unbeknownst to Snappy, there was this, like, three, two or three-year-old kid behind him who was trying to get oh, his no. attention and so snappy backs up and the turtle shell just knocks this kid on his ass <laughs> and the kid starts bawling oh um, my God. and so snappy like 15 minutes later we saw snappy come back with like a, uh, some balls uh, oh, from Jesus. some brand new like baseballs from the gift shop that he gave to the kid and you know he made the kid's day but uh, oh my God. yeah that is definitely a, a hazard of being around snappy he should wear one of those like orange signs on his back or something yeah or he should have a beep when he backs up or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two, two things. I thought, number one, I thought you were going to say Snappy snapped. Mm-hmm. Number two, I thought you were going to say that he went inside of his shell. Oh. <laughs> like his head just like descended inside of the costume oh. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a good a good pun. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, they should they should rig it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, so Snappy comes up to us, gives us a high five, and he's with two, uh, two sort of ballpark yeah. uh, associates. I, I will say our guard was let down a little bit. Well, it's one of those things, living in the city you walk around and like you try not to make eye contact with someone because they're going to ask you for money mm-hmm. or like uh you know like uh you don't want to like yeah you just don't want to like look at each other, anyone you want to 
keep to yourself. And right. so like we walked in and Snappy was front and center greeting people and we had talked about maybe getting a picture with them. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, like, how do how do we get a picture of them? And then like they, they walked up to us and yeah, so they walked up to us and first of all, like most of the people who worked for this ball team were like, were like high school kids. Yeah, so yeah. these, these kids, they seemed like they were in high school kids. The guy seemed a little bit older than the girl and like he was sort of the one who was in charge. Maybe he'd worked there for a while or whatever, but and so, the name on that, uh, that, uh, ID badge, uh-huh. Matt Harvey. Man, we totally should have made a joke about it. Like, I didn't, I didn't see it. Uh, that, that kid probably wouldn't have known who Matt Harvey was. But I, um, yeah, I have a feeling. Like I, I was saying to Jack, like no one else had like a full name on their card. I feel like they they put that on there just because he happened to have the same name as a ball a ball player. Yeah, right. I mean, I know Matt Harvey got traded. Matt Harvey got traded to the Reds, but it's like that's a serious demotion yeah, down to Beloit. Yeah, pretty sad. Um. So, uh, so, so they came up to us, and the first question they asked us was, "Are you 21?" And so right. you know, I mean, that's very flattering that they would ask us if we were 21 (laughs) but uh so you know we said yeah and the impression i got jeremy was that they kind of came up to us because it seemed like we were outsiders yeah uh, and they hadn't they hadn't seen us before sort of the the general impression that i got from uh you know just being there was that a lot of these people who go to these games are just regulars that they're there all the time all the freaking time yeah 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 (laughs) i mean there's probably not a lot else to do in in beloit you know it's not exactly like lansing or some other minor league town where there's you know other stuff to do you know beloit is kind of just a, a suburb or uh, uh so so yeah it's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the only game in town literally yeah. but anyway so for they, sure for sure those people in front of us were like regulars and so they were like i'm sure those they were trying to get someone like locked in uh well we'll, we'll get into it yeah, so, yeah so they were trying to get someone locked in for one of their promotions now anybody yes. who's ever been to a minor league game knows that the best part about going to minor league games is that there's basically there's a ridiculous promotion between every inning um so they came up to us and they asked us if we wanted to do the pig calling contest uh, so they were, you know, they were like, it's going to happen in the bottom of the first inning. So, you know, we're doing this podcast, you know, we were like, Hey, maybe this is going to be an opportunity to do something crazy. Yeah, sure. Why not? So we said, yes. Yes. I think we talked about like making things happen for the podcast. Yeah. Like, so we went, we, we put ourselves out there for you guys and we said yes to this <laughs> ridiculous pickup. But you know, what was funny about it is that the, the kid was saying like, he, he went way too into like explanation about it. He was like, yeah, you know, we, we're going to do this thing with the pig call so we're gonna put the mic up to you and we're gonna say hey uh you know let's hear your best pig call and then we're gonna say like you know okay well we'll, how about this guy do you think you can beat this guy's pig call and then you're gonna do the pig call then we're gonna say to the audience like he went through beat by beat what was gonna happen yeah and uh it it was just kind of funny now i guess being the city boy that i am jeremy i i didn't know that pig calling contests were a thing (laughs) Um, yeah i don't know how i happen to know about it i think maybe from uh the uh the godwin brothers from the wwf or something (laughs) Henry, Henry uh, uh, Orpheus Godwin or whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I, I watched wrestling, but I don't remember that guy. Was he from, like, the early 90s, late 80s, they, somewhere they were, around They there? were from the mid to late 90s. Oh, or, or, or early to mid 90s, I'd okay. say. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. They were they were bad. <laughs> so I actually had to Google uh, just some clips of a pig calling contest because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I, I saw a clip from, I guess it was the Illinois State Fair, but it was just basically a bunch of people going, ah, ah. But that's all it was. Like, I don't know how, if it was a contest, I don't know how they determined uh, what who's better at the pig. Do they have an actual pig who's I, there and being yeah, called? Whoever, yeah, the, whoever the pig is most responsive to is the winner. I don't know how they judge it. I, yeah. I don't. I think, I think the humans judge it, like, uh, you know, from having 
previous experience with other pig calls. Okay, okay. Yeah. So anyway, so I so I didn't know it uh, what what it was, but we 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 said what the heck. So we yep. we were slated to do it in the bottom of the first inning. So yep. when the game began, Jeremy and I both talked about how we were kind of nervous and having a hard time focusing on the game yeah. because we were supposed to do this thing. About the only reason why I agreed like to do it was because he said he made a point of saying like they were going to do it at the end of the first inning. So right. I'm like, okay, well we'll get it over with. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So the, the bottom of the first inning comes around and it's raining at this point. Uh, Jeremy and I were actually thinking that maybe the game was going to get delayed because it, it was raining to the point where, you know, you might actually think that. Yeah, it would um, have been our first rain delay theater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so many, many of the seats, basically the whole stadium is laid out as bleachers. Yeah, um, and uh, tin, like aluminum bleachers. So they, they did get, they were a little slippery. Yeah, so there's very little concrete. So, um, so the guy came up to us and uh, he said, hey, our GM... Uh, called in and he just said all promotions are canceled tonight because it's too wet and it's too slippery. So uh, he's like, "Sorry about that, but uh, you know, if you guys really want to do it, we'll be doing these. Uh, we'll be doing it all summer long. So just come back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so we were saved by the GM. Uh, pretty sure that wasn't Billy Bean. It was probably just the minor league uh, yeah. GM. I mean, you know, those are probably just the menial tasks that like a minor league general manager has to has to deal with. Yeah. You know, they don't make player transaction decisions. Yeah, I can't have people sliding around on my bleachers doing pig calls breaking their neck we gotta cancel these pig calls you know actually they did like 12 times during the game they were like so please once again do not yeah. like just be very careful as you're walking yeah uh, I was I was almost expecting because it's so in close quarters like the stadium it's so small I was almost expecting to see like a kid wipe out and then the guy get on the mic and say like once again, fans, we remind you to please not, uh, you know, run on the bleachers. You know, what's funny is that when they when they were asking us to do the promotion, like they didn't they they briefly asked us where we were sitting. But that was yeah. just they were like, no, 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 we'll be able to find you. So that that right. should give you an idea of how few people were actually at well, this game. And we weren't in our seats for no. the beginning of the game because we would have been rained down. So they just they found us and came right over to us. Yeah. Um, I guess this would be a good time, Jeremy. What was the announced uh, the announced crowd? Uh, the um, We had. Uh, well, you were saying that, uh, you know, uh, the most diehard fans would be making the trek out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before, uh, you couldn't tell that to 534 other people because, including us, the the uh, paid attendance was 536 people. Yeah, and that's a paid attendance if I've ever heard one because there yeah. didn't seem to be more than 200 people at we, that game. We were trying to estimate, and, like, we think it was about 200. We probably could have counted if we wanted to. Probably. But it, it wasn't worth it. So uh, we're going to do our pig calls right now yeah, I think we never I, actually got to. Exactly. I don't want to leave the, the 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 fans like you know. If anyone did happen to see us, we 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 did a little live drop in on Instagram at Rain Delay Pod on Instagram, and uh, we were we te- teased that we were going to be doing this this uh, pig call. And you know, I th- you know, I, I, just so not to disappoint any fans, I think we should do our pig calls right okay, now. So, so this is what I was going to do. I was okay. going to go. Sue, Sue. So that was mine. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. I was mine was gonna be something like this. It's gonna be like get on up there, little piggy. <laughs> now see I predicted that I was gonna beat Jeremy, but if that was what he had going in, I he was gonna crush me in that well, pig. 
I would have liked to see what the fans thought. We would have left it up to them. But right. There right, we go. Right. Uh, so, uh, so, <laughs> so one awesome thing about going to this game was that there actually were a lot of great prospects for the snappers. There were four of, I think it was, yeah, four of the top 30 guys. So, okay. So just to, just to, just to back up here. So for those of you guys who don't know, uh, the Beloit snappers are uh, Oakland's, uh, the Oakland A's uh, low A team. Yep. The, uh, the Quad City River Bandits uh, were the uh, low A team for the Houston Astros. Yep. So uh, for the Snappers, um, there were actually four of the top 30 players on MLB Pipeline on their team. Yeah, and I have to say, um, you know, this wasn't a, a long planned trip. And I, I have to say, I was like just like two weeks ago or a week ago, I was looking at the roster and I had no idea that these guys. Uh, yeah, like Lazaro Armenteros, uh, the number eight mm-hmm. uh, prospect in the according to MLB Pipeline dot uh, com. Uh, he was their number eight prospect. Number seven prospect was Austin Beck, mm-hmm. who was a first round draft pick in uh, twenty seventeen. So mm-hmm. last year, like mm-hmm. I, these guys had like you know. So I do follow like you know these these draft picks and everything, and they were on my radar, and I had no idea they were playing so close to us. So I was in the uh, like as is with minor league uh, games, you know, you don't know like when these guys are going to be promoted or anything. So I was like, we got to jump on this and see these guys right away. So we kind of we kind of like shuffled things around and, and made a trip out there like as soon as we could. And in the case of Beck, just watching him play, he's not going to be in Beloit past the All-Star break. I exactly. Don't think. Yeah. Um, not sure about Armenteros. So I actually was reading a little bit more on Armenteros. Um, so first of all, they gave him $3 million bucks, uh, yeah. which is quite significant. He was um, the number four uh, prospect in his uh, international draft, uh, or not draft class, but his international pool. Wow. Um, so that, I think that was maybe the 2016 to 2017 pool. He was the number fourth uh, prospect and from Cuba. Yeah, we, okay. And we actually, um, we saw him driving up to the stadium with, I think it was another <laughs> player. Or yeah, coach it or somebody. was um, uh, the fifth batter, Lopez. Oh, so okay, so was he was. Ho- oh, so he Lopez? was driving up there with Lopez, was it? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Interesting. Um, that was that was uh, straight from the mouths of the Ballhawks. <laughs> so um, uh, that was actually Armenteros is like he had only been in Beloit for about a week. I guess they had put him in extended spring training or something okay. like that because um, they because the climate was so cold in the Midwest. I think they wanted to wait till it warmed up a little bit to okay. send him to send him here. Um, so we actually lucked out seeing him. He had not been in Beloit for very long at all. Right. Um, and so he was there. Uh, Austin Beck was there, and also Nick Allen. Was there Nick as Allen, well. number fourth, pro, uh, number fourteenth prospect on on the Oakland A's uh, system? Uh, he was a third round pick in twenty seventeen. Yeah, and uh, interestingly enough, the slot for uh, his uh, draft uh, pick was supposed to be like six hundred fifty some thousand dollars. The A's, uh, so he came out of high school, I think, and he had a, a scholarship offer to USC. The A's gave him two million dollars to sign with them, so they must have really wanted him on uh, yeah. on their team. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, or in their system. Uh, so so yeah, and also um, uh, unbeknownst to uh, Jerry. Jeremy and I, uh, the slated starting pitcher for the game was supposed to be the number 25 prospect, uh, Wyatt Marks. Wyatt Marks, uh, 13th round pick from last year. And so uh, we could just talk about Marks before we get into the other guys. But so it was raining when we got there and it was raining as the game was about to start. Uh, and they actually scratched Marks from his start and started a guy named, uh, uh, was it Josh Reagan? Yeah, Joshua jo- Joshua Reagan. Joshua Reagan, yeah. So we got some Reaganomics to, uh, to start the game. <laughs> Reagan was a left-hander and we, you know, we didn't really 
know about uh, anything about him. Uh, we did know that Marx was starting the name. I think we would have been Jeremy a little more disappointed um, if Marx, if we like Marx had been when Marx was scratched, if we had known that he was a guy we wanted to see. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and and you know, we, we it was pretty clear early on we were like thinking that they weren't going to start him in case they went into a rain delay, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he ended up uh, he started warming up in the I believe the second inning. Yeah, he did, and then he ended up relieving Reagan. Reagan went three innings, and Marx went in. He pitched six innings. He so he took the loss. He gave up three runs. He came in and he was kind of shaky yeah. to start things out. But then he settled down and he looked really good. It makes yeah. sense that he's in the top thirty. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he he. You could tell that there was something going on with him. He 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 did a good job, and I think he was like probably just out of rhythm coming in in the middle of a game, and like you know, as, as happens sometimes. So uh, you know, he he got hit up. He got hit right early on and then he settled down yeah and uh, actually on MLB pipeline uh, they were projecting him as a as a reliever in the major leagues okay. um, and now you know he's he's a pretty advanced college player uh, too or I think he had been in college for three or four years University, they, University uh, of Louisiana Lafayette, Lafayette. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and um, uh, so you know I would really not be surprised to see him in the major leagues within a couple of years um, yeah just based on what we saw yeah that's a way to fast track those guys up to the majors is give them a bullpen slot yeah yeah so we did not end up getting Marx's autograph but so the way the stadium is laid out is that the players have to walk from the field they have to basically cut across like the main like the concourse yeah if if you could even call it that yeah Yeah. if you imagine like um you know wrigley field for instance like when you're down where the food is like that's the concourse right and like on the side towards the stadium is where all the food booths uh, are right and then uh, if you look to the left like there's like you know the customer service booth but mostly it's just wall like there's like the gift shop is like on that that left side if you're walking um but so imagine that but like not enclosed this at at, uh pullman field it was open and on that left side was the clubhouse for the for the uh snappers and for the visiting team yeah so all the players have to just walk walk across there um from the field and so there's a lot of you're really able to get close and you can get autographs if you want to they have to walk by the uh the yeah the people yeah 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 and so we 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 went over there we went in that area where they were going to be walking by and sure enough we run into the ball hawks again yeah these guys they were all over the place they were they were. And so we, we got a couple of autographs. I think the first one we got was Armenteros. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was the first one uh, out. And like, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, you know, I haven't seen too much of his face, but uh, I kind of made a, a, a duck over there to him. And like it was I was it was confirmed his identity by one of these uh, ball hawk freaks uh, mm-hmm. in front of us um, with. So these guys walk around. If, if you're not familiar with this. Okay, let, let's let's let, let's we get into these guys. Sure, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Um, um, we okay. Jack and I do a baseball podcast. We're clearly baseball nerds, right? But there, if like, in, but if you think that that's where it ends, you you have like a whole world in front of you. There is a deeper subculture here going on, and these guys, Jack, you were saying like these guys, like you could tell like the players recognize them, like they're probably at the games every day, mm-hmm. and like or like most of the time, and like they're just like oh boy, like when they see them, like like we saw some of the picture, the players like have like a, a visual reaction like uh, on their face when. They they saw these guys. Yep. Um, and and so so these guys have carry around like uh, binders with pages, and they'll have this whole setup. Some guys have like an eight by ten, and then four cards like kind of mounted on the side of it, and then they just hold it up and they like stand there like and have them sign everything. And then like sometimes they have like a, a sheet with eight cards laid out on like a piece of cardboard like mounted on there and they just hold it there and like have them sign all eight of them it's like it's crazy yeah um and and 
Jeremy, th- those were the only, so the ball hawks. So there were those two older people. There were these four younger guys. And then yeah. there was like an old guy, but then like his 12-year-old daughter. Right. And, or, you know, a, a father-aged uh, man. And so he would give these, all of these, the stacks of cards to his daughter and like have his daughter go up to the guys and have like her get the autographs as if that's fooling anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Could you make it out to James? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and so it, it honestly seemed, Jeremy, that we were the only good men in true, uh, like actually getting 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 autographs just for ourselves and not to like sell right yeah we had like yeah we had them sign the scorecard we had i had i had like uh three cards that i brought because i happen to have an austin beck card i happen to have a nick allen card and i had one card as opposed to these guys like eight or 16 yeah and so the second guy we got was actually nick allen who was a super nice guy um took a bunch of time to sign a, a bunch of autographs but then one of the ball hawks who there were there were like two of them who seemed like they were about 17 years old right, or yeah. somewhere around there and uh one of them was uh came up to allen well i think you and i were getting his autograph and he was like hey hey nick um so i uh, i have this, this school project where we're supposed to to talk to uh, like somebody who's I don't know what the hell he was right, going yeah. on about, but he was like, "Would you be available for uh, an interview uh, tomorrow after the game?" And so Alan was just kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever." And then this kid was like, "Yeah, okay, cool. Well, uh, so you know, I'll be uh, I'll, I'll be around like just after the game. So there must be like a, a room we can <laughs> go into or something." It's like, dude, you're making it weird. Um, you're already asking this guy to sign like probably four cards every freaking time you see him, and yeah. now you're asking him to like do some do some make some video that he doesn't know wh- where it's going to end up on YouTube or. <laughs> your school project or just wherever man yeah. like you know you get you give these people an inch with these autographs and you know these guys seem really socially awkward it's like yeah. you're taking a freaking mile here you yeah. know this is a guy who signed a two million dollar contract um you know he's from i think he's from cali but it's like yeah. you know you you should just know that you're you're nothing to this guy <laughs> yeah. you know you're nothing to him so yeah. why, why are you asking him to do you these favors yeah um, it, it is it really it, it's almost ruined like actually like i commend these guys for for signing like anything thing at all because like yeah like it, it it seems like a classic situation where like those guys would ruin it for everyone mm-hmm. and like i'm lucky I'm, we're, we're lucky that we happen to like get in there like and get our single autographs we are you know i almost thought they ruined austin beck for us because beck, right. beck came out shortly after alan did and he um the, these ball hawks got to him before uh we did and, right. he, and he he is the one as jeremy described that kind of gave them the look yeah it was like oh you know but he, let's just say like back like you know first round draft pick he had a what five point something yeah five point three mil they gave him and that was a club record at the time yeah. uh so that's i mean that's serious money for nine, a kid who's nine, 19 years 19 old. years old walking around beloit wisconsin with with five point three mil in the bank yes and that's probably that's so much more than even that's twice what alan made who's in you know armenteros basically that's almost twice what he made and yeah. you know there's the other players he's on the team with i mean you're, yeah. you're he's on a team with guys who probably got a hundred thousand dollars or less for a signing bonus so this guy yeah. is you know this guy's big money right here yeah um, so he's the big man on campus. And so these, these kids just come up to him and you could tell he looked at him and he knew who they were. And he was just, he said, uh, I'll get you after the game. Right now, Jeremy, when I heard that I was not optimistic, I think like, so it turns out before we get any more into this story that Austin Beck is a really cool guy. Like I yeah. now he, he, he did sign autographs after the game. Yeah. Uh, and he he's, his word. yeah, he was, he was uh, as good as his word. So Jeremy, when I was eight or nine years old, I never forgot about this. So my dad used to take me to Marquette basketball games. And we would arrive like an hour before the game so we could, so I could get autographs um, when, when they were doing shoot-arounds. 
Right. And there was this player named Richard Shaw. Uh, he was number 34 for Marquette. He was a big man, 6'10 or 6'11. And I mean, I liked him. He was a he was a big white stiff, basically, <laughs> looking back. Yep. But I liked him because I thought he had really cool hair. Uh, <laughs> and so he was my favorite player. Um, and I was super nervous to come up to him and ask him for an autograph. Uh, so finally, one day, he was kind of sitting on the bench during shoot-arounds. And so I, I went up to him and I said, hey, like Mr. Shaw, can I get your autograph? And he said, after the game and I went back to my seat and I was eight or nine years old at the time so I was practically in tears like this yeah. fucking guy that, who probably nobody else gives a shit about but me wouldn't even sign my autograph right. so uh, when Beck said that to these guys like after Ooh. the game I was really not optimistic and Jeremy I mean the vibe I kind of got was uh, that I was probably giving off was like cynical the whole game like, yeah. I didn't think he was actually going to do it now that you're saying all this there was a moment where you kind of like froze a little bit and stared off into space for a couple seconds you must have had that flashback I did I did and now <laughs> You know, now looking back, it's like, well, since Beck did sign, I wonder if it's Richard Shaw guy after the game was like waiting for me. And like, he's like, hey, he's, where the fuck is this kid? You know, he's like, well, like, as watched 30 minutes later, I'm going to leave soon if this kid doesn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. That is a grudge I have held for 23 years. And yeah. uh, so, Richard Shaw, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, um, we can. We will contact you at your real estate company. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So. So Beck, uh, yeah, he kind of moved along and. um uh, we got his autograph afterwards. If you if you saw on Instagram, I got I got a sweet uh, picture of uh, Jack uh, getting his autograph. Yeah, Pretty yeah. Awesome. And you know what's really cool is so I was the only person who had, had like a scorecard for him to autograph. Everybody yeah. else had baseball cards. And so Jeremy, had, who had seen um, Beck's autograph before, mm-hmm. he signed mine number twenty two. And, and Jeremy, he doesn't usually do that. Does no, he? I haven't seen it. I, I haven't scoured eBay for for one that one of these freaks are, is selling. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he uh, he he. I haven't seen him sign his number on this. So yeah, that's pretty cool. So he gave me a little something special, I think, because he knew for sure that I probably wasn't going to be able to resell this thing. So that yeah. was that was kind of cool. Exactly. Um, yeah, I did say to him, I did make a point of saying to him when I got, because I was like the second one after the game uh, who got his autograph, and uh, I did say like, because uh, the guy right in front of me, oh my god, this guy had like he had the eight by ten with the four, with the four cards, and then he flipped it over and he's like, um, could you sign my mother's too? <laughs> and like he, it was another eight by ten. And Austin Beck did say like, I like that picture or whatever. So mm-hmm. some maybe these guys just like looking at themselves and on yeah. the cards. So that's the the benefit for them. Right. But then he was like, there were three more cards mounted on that eight by ten, the second one. And then the kid uh, in a you know in a most uh, charitable uh, gesture, he said. Oh, you don't have to send the cards if you want to get everyone else. Oh, how, how magnanimous! Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but I did say, but I did say to Beck, I'm like, uh, thanks, Austin. I'm like, I only got the one for you. Make make it easy on you. And yeah. he, he gave me kind of like a side smirk, and he's like, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually said to him when I got his autograph, I was like, hey man, that was a that was a nice clutch hit you had in the uh, uh, there because he had like a he had a really clutch hit at the end of right. the game. He had a two out double, uh, a run scoring double, um, uh, and it was a real nice hit. We thought it was going to maybe leave the park for yeah, a second. Yeah, a game tire. It was. It was. Um, and none uh, of these freaks even knew that. They they, they have no uh, identification of like what's a what's a clutch play in a game. No, no. And uh, you know, for the record, I, I, he didn't really react to what I said. I think he was busy signing other autographs. Sure. But I was glad that I said it. But yeah. um, uh, you know, just to touch one more thing on these freaks is that uh, <laughs> is that they didn't. They seemed like they didn't even care about the game or no. what was going on. They seemed like they were only there for the autographs. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird. It's like I was. Like, yeah, you know, I was trying to do like a a geometric like or like a a, a chart or whatever like a like a tan, tangential like layover of mm-hmm. like baseball fans and like autograph collectors, and you would think that it would be almost 
overlap, but it, it's probably the most like narrowest of like overlap between those two circles of people. It's really weird, like how that works. I don't know. <laughs> but, and those guys were definitely on the way, the far end of the uh, autograph freaks. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and just one more quick thing about the autographs. I think we got uh, Jonathan Arouz uh, as well for Quad Cities. Yeah, um, that's right. Signed yeah. for us, and he he actually is number twenty two in uh, Houston's uh, MLB pipeline. Yeah, uh, from what I saw. Yeah, he was involved in the. Uh, he came over with Ken Giles from the Phillies uh, for like a slew of people, Vince Velasquez and, and uh, Mark Appel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he was part of that uh, part of that trade, and he looked pretty good in the game as well. Yeah, yeah. So that was another good one to get. Um, so right before the game started, too, we made a, a, a trip to the gift shop. Uh, it certainly was not much of a gift shop, but we were uh, Jeremy was looking for maybe a set of team cards that he could get. Yeah, we we ended up um, we we ended up uh, picking up the scorecard as well, um, uh, and that's where we got some of the autographs. But we were looking for the team cards and. Uh, uh, the, you know, they we went so we went to the Lansing Lugnuts game last year, and and uh, we we went in June, and we uh, picked up a team set, and so it was cool because we got like a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. card mm-hmm. and a Bo Bichette card, mm-hmm. which like those things might be worth some money in the future, yeah. uh, but it's cool to have nonetheless. And so I was looking for a Snappers team set, and uh, the girl I asked the girl who is also like yeah like sixteen yeah. years old or whatever if uh, they I'm like do you have this year's set, and she's like. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to ask about that. Yeah. She's like, whatever's over there is what we got. It'd be funny if she called the GM. Yeah, exactly. He's like, come on. Like, <laughs> there's people, like, we're trying to put down dry, diamond dry on the stands. Like, I got no time for this. But, um, yeah, so, like, yeah, she didn't know. Um, we, we did think, like, uh, to her credit that maybe they didn't get the team sets in yet because mm-hmm. it was a, a little... It was early enough in the year. They, yep. You know, they could have been selling them, but, uh, you know, I don't know. So so they didn't have that. I did want to say about the scorecard, though. Um, it was a pretty nice scorecard. Um, like, you know, we were, you know, Jack, we, we, the thought occur- occurred to us on the way in, like, oh, I hope they have scorecards mm-hmm. again. But, you know, that they had, like, a universal scorecard, and they did print out not only, like, the rosters, like, the up-to-date rosters, but uh, a stat sheet as well. Yeah, um, and, you know, that Jeremy, that was kind of exactly what we described we could have wanted, we would have wanted from the Sox to do. Yeah, attention um, White Sox. Yeah. Talk to the talk to the GM of the Beloit Snappers. Yeah, yeah. If the Snappers can do it, you guys can do it. Yeah. Come abs- on. Absolutely. And I, I want to say, um, to any any bewildered uh, fan who uh, is longing for their White Sox scorecard, you can just follow the words of wisdom on the front of the Beloit Snapper scorecard. At the bottom, it says, "Have fun, be fun, follow fun." Hashtag oh snap. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Not rules of advice. Not just for baseball. Seemingly, actually, don't know how it applies to baseball, but it's on the front of the scorecard. I think it's a good model just for life in general, not for baseball. But, uh, yeah, you know, take that with you. Words to live by. Exactly. Um, So, actually, uh, an interesting thing about Pullman Field. So, uh, you know, for a long time, the Snappers were the Brewers um, minor league affiliate, uh, you know, being in Wisconsin. Then I think they went over to the Minnesota Twins. uh, And then now they're the Oakland A's. But there's a ton of foul territory uh, at Pullman Field, which is uh, actually, uh, you know, kind of a simulation for what it's like to play in the Coliseum. Yeah, we were thinking that, like, you know, they're like, all right, this will simulate like the fields and fields of, of uh, area around. The yeah, and, and the way the ballpark is laid out too. I mean, I don't know if it's just because there was no stadium around, like there was no stadium around it. There's nothing in the back uh, behind the fences, but it just it looked like a, a, just a pasture that yeah. outfield. It didn't really. It didn't. I didn't notice it really until someone hit one out to the to the gap, basically. And I thought it was going to roll for days, and the guy ended up tracking it down and catching it. But like, yeah, it, it, I was like, wow, it's it's vast out there. Now, when you um, 
uh, when you go to a minor league game, uh, you're going to see some unusual stuff. You're going to see some unusual plays, some unusual calls from the umpire, some unusual scoring decisions. Because let's face it, it's all minor league, right? Um, yep. So no, no, no ball that's hit uh, into the outfield is a sure catch. Um, exactly. And so that happened a, a couple of times. There was one really unusual play uh, that an outfielder dropped and should have had. Yeah, there was. Um, uh, let's see. Let's pull it up here. That mm-hmm. was. Um, uh, where was it? It was the... Um... Uh, so it happened in the top of the second inning. It was there when Bohannik um, was up at bat. So he hit a fly ball into right field. It was basically a routine fly ball that he dropped. Um, and so then that was scored as an E9. But so then uh, the the number six hitter in the order, De La Cruz, was on first base. And so it ended up being a fielder's choice But there was a uh, at second base. But there was just a crazy rundown that happened in between. Yeah, it got thrown back to um, the first baseman, uh, Hargrove, for mm-hmm. the snappers. And um, he, uh, well, it got thrown to um, uh, Nick Allen first. Mm-hmm. So the scoring was 9 6 3 6. Um, uh, it got thrown to Allen. He threw it to first baseman, Hargrove. And then he was, they had a guy who stuck between rundown between first and second, but then he decided to throw it uh, to, uh, to the shortstop. Um, or no, he decided to run back the guy between second and third. Yeah, and so then he ended up slipping on the field. Now, there was no tarp uh, no. at this stadium, so the field was probably very wet. I felt kind of bad for Hunter Hargrove there because there was no reason he should have slipped other than the fact that they just were probably too cheap to like have a tarp. Yeah, if, you, if you've seen the movie The Burbs, it almost seemed like that scene where uh, Rumsfeld slips on the lawn uh, <laughs> in The Burbs. Check that out. But it was a very, his just feet went out from under him. It was kind of like, it would be a play that would end up on like a bloopers highlight reel or whatever if anyone was recording the game. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, by the way, uh, Hunter Hargrove, uh, from what I looked up, does not see to be related to Mike Hargrove, okay, the old Indians good. manager. Okay, that's uh, a solid uh, no on that. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, okay, so there was also a ball that was hit into right field, uh, and this might have been the, the Quad Cities right fielder that made this error. Well, it wasn't scored as an error. It was another routine. Like actually, it was Hargrove. It was the it was the double Hargrove got right. in the uh, top, in the top and the bottom of the fifth the inning. Uh, it was scored as a it was scored as a double. Uh, but uh, he, um, the outfielder just dropped it. It was a, the ball was in the guy's glove, and he dropped it. And the, the official scoring, I guess, remained a double. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did check back on uh, the website, and I never saw any any changes to that. Okay, so, yeah. and so you know that's kind of some minor league uh, official scoring right there. And actually, Jeremy too on the fielder's choice play we were just talking about, he thinks that it was a. Uh, and you know, I I would agree with him that it was actually a nine six three four. Yeah, that's somehow, what I had live. Yeah. yeah, and but but there was this, the press box was basically this little shack yeah um, it was a, it, i think it was like a trailer like you know uh at the top of a set of bleachers yeah 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 <laughs> and so then there was one other play i don't know i don't yeah, remember it was when. the uh, top of the seventh mm-hmm. um garcia the d the dh for a quad cities was batting mm-hmm. and he flew out to left field it was a deep drive and and from where we were standing there there was a protective uh, fe- uh net you know and so it was it, the net was like so like kind of like uh like course or whatever that it was hard to kind of see through that coupled with like the this the twilight sky and everything so and not the best lights so it was hard to see a ball like once it like hit the like the once it went up in the sky and headed to the outfield but anyway it got hit to armenteros armenteros was ranging back and it looked from our vantage point it, it was hard it was very hard to tell mm-hmm. um and it almost looked like it hit his like wrist or something and then and fell yeah but um he he had it. He he turned around and wheeled it back into the infield, and he threw it to first base to try to double off the guy who was already at first. And 
the ball was coming in and a guy kind of slid into first out of nowhere. Uh, Hargrove let the ball go. And then two guys basically went back into first base. So uh, Garcia, um, not knowing if they had caught it, um, rounded first base and was like, like, you know, made a mad dash back to first and slid. But then this, the other guy was acting as if it were, were caught. So the guy on base was, um, Bohannik. Um, so he went back, he dove back to, uh, to first. So basically like two guys went into first base and Hargrove was distracted by the whole thing. The ball flew past him, went like, you know, uh, against the wall and it was just kind of chaotic. Like no one knew what was going on. Yeah. Cause after Hargrove got the ball back, uh, he, t- he tried tagging like one or both of yeah. the guys. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. Cause it, 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 it rattled behind first base. He went and got it. And then like people were like, tag him, tag him. And yeah. So he tagged both guys. So clearly no call was made no. on, the, on the field at all. No, no call was made. And then the umpires, so in a minor league game, there were two umpires mm-hmm. so there's two umpires they go in conference by, by home plate and and you got to be thinking like these guys didn't see what happened either no, no. because they would have made a call if they did there's no need to like conference about a, if a guy caught the ball no or not. no and it wasn't a trap it wasn't like he slid it was like a fly ball and like he caught it standing up and you, you know i think that's on that umpire that was a second base umpire yeah, yeah. Uh, because he it, it was almost one of those situations where i think like you know because you, you got you have very young umpires here yeah. um you know umpires advance uh like baseball players do um Mm -hmm. you know i think they're under review by the league and they you know it's uh very actually hard to break into the major leagues um as an umpire uh, because there's very little turnover so i think on the second base umpire just kind of got lost in the game for a second the ball was like a deep fly ball i think he just watched it and kind of forgot to break (laughs) back far enough to where he could tell if armenteros caught the ball yeah yeah um yeah and so if i was mickey story i would have been a little more upset about that i think maybe it was because mickey story was the manager for quad cities who was batting at the time um and uh uh, but I think it was just kind of such a crappy night to play. And also, it's like Story probably did see that Armenteros caught the ball. Right. Uh, so there was really no argument to ultimately be made about what the call was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're totally getting minor league uh, umpiring, too, when you go to a, uh, a, a minor league game. Now, just a, a brief aside, I actually briefly looked into uh, becoming an umpire a couple <laughs> of years ago. Uh, there, there's like an umpiring school you can go to in Florida and okay. like if you do well enough at the umpiring school, you'll be placed in like rookie leagues or A-ball or whatever. But you know, it seems like a pretty crappy existence. Uh, you know, you really got to work yeah. your way up and you probably don't make much money. No. Uh, but um, uh, just uh, just a quick ode to uh, Mickey Story, uh, who is 32 years old and managing the uh, Quad Cities River Bandits, which is pretty cool. Same age as our very own Jack Swakowski. He is, there. he is. Now, he certainly doesn't have the uh, gait of Jack Swakowski. Uh, he no. has the gait of uh, Don Zimmer, uh, one yeah. might say, or a much, <laughs> much older manager. Yeah, John Gibbons, like a crusty baseball guy. He came out for a pitching change, and yeah, he was just kind of like, like, yeah, just uh, moseying up to the plate, like wide gait. Like, yeah, he did look like John Gibbons and I think uh, Mickey Story did spend some time with the the Blue Jays mm-hmm. and like you know he must have picked that that was one of the things he picked up is the the manager's walk yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he is uh, he's definitely uh, walking the walk as yeah. a manager even the, even as uh, as young as he is the, the um, guy the guy was pitching up until 2016 uh, in independent ball I believe and uh, so it's a pretty been a pretty quick turnaround for him and, it is but, uh, yeah he's. Uh, yeah, he's he's learning the uh, the ropes of the game, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, uh, you know, one other thing I wanted to point out uh, as far as, like, just um, calls from umpires are concerned is that uh, a guy named Jake Adams, he was the number five hitter for Quad Cities. Uh, <clears throat> he was rung up 
uh, in the bottom, at the top of the eighth inning, um, and he left all of his gear at home plate, really yeah. showing up the umpire. Now, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself. I think it was the weather, Jeremy, and just the fact that we weren't sitting as close as we, we had bought our tickets for. Right. We just... Jeremy and I sometimes we like to yell stuff at oh, the players. The you know, yeah. it, it's the best. And you know, it was you could hear a pin drop in that stadium. No yep. one cared about what was going on. And, and if we had yelled stuff, the players totally would have been able to hear us. Yep. I would have liked to yell to the umpire, "Hey, you gonna let him show you up like that?" But uh, <laughs> but I didn't. I mean, we were just we were cold and kind of uh, you know. At, at that point, and I think we were just kind of um, a little more subdued than we normally would have been. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Uh, yeah. But it looked like Adams was going to get tossed, um, and actually, he walked by after the game, and I wanted to like say something to him, <laughs> like get his autograph, and just you know, not not like troll him, but just be like, dude, I thought you were going to get tossed there or whatever. But yeah. uh, I was too busy getting Beck's autograph, so that is a regret that I came away with uh, yeah. from this night was that I was not able to to talk to him. And actually, Jake Adams was. Uh, a sixth round pick, I think, uh, per the oh. uh, the sheet that we got. Yeah. Um, so that's actually that he was one of the highest draft picks on the team. So you know they must kind of see something in him, I guess. Yeah, sixth round in uh, last year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so to to get onto the trolling thing really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I made a couple observations about that. Um, there was there was definitely some like uh, the 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 people playing the music at the stadium were, were doing a little trolling of the players as well. They mm-hmm. were playing such songs as Barbie Girl mm-hmm. and Man I Feel Like a Woman. Uh, you know the impli- implication being that uh, some of the players on Quad Cities were in fact women, and that's uh, the worst thing in the world that you can be, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right now, um, speaking of the music at the stadium, the uh, the national anthem was uh, uh, maybe nothing to write home about. Yeah, that was that we. If you you know this is what you're missing if you're not following us. I was I managed to capture that moment uh, live uh, on an Instagram story, so I do I did save that so I could post that somewhere too. Yeah, yeah, and you know um, Jeremy and I were joking that uh so you know we we were just sort of selected at random for the pig contest we we figured like maybe like those people came into the stadium and they just went up to the woman and, and were like hey like are you 21 do you want to sing the national anthem tonight um <laughs> yeah, which exactly. is sort of what it seemed like so you know yeah. i i am uh you know jeremy and i we like to go out we like to do uh karaoke we like to sing a little bit i was oh, yeah. like i was thinking of actually sending the beloit snappers a tape of myself singing the oh, national yeah. anthem uh and you know i'm you know i'm not uh uh you know freddie mercury by no. any means no. Uh, but like, I feel like they would they would watch that and be like, you know, that was good enough. Like you can you can come <laughs> sing. Uh, you know, you figure they got the, the gym. Good enough. Get them on there. I gotta go dry off these these uh, bleachers. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, they figure you figure they gotta uh, they gotta do it se- seventy times. They probably have like seventy home games a year. How about one hundred and forty games in the minor leagues or whatever it is? So that, you know, they're, they're probably scraping the bottom of the barrel for like if they want to have live performances yeah. of the national anthem. Yeah. Um, well, so we gotta get our we got some recordings from our boy Fred Wood at uh, Alice's Karaoke in Belmont. Yeah, um, he he sends us all our our songs that we do mm-hmm. so uh yeah we got to get those uh you got to get, get those up there yeah now. yeah get, get get that on tape um uh, so yeah uh uh, as the game advanced, as we got to the bottom of the seventh inning, um, we uh, actually uh, they announced that there were one dollar pizzas and hot dogs. Uh, yeah, dollar dogs and pizza while supplies last. Yeah, I, I assume that they they sort of moved to that promotion, uh, you know, later in the game, just because yeah. it's better to just sell the food than have to get rid of it and take yeah. a loss on it. That is that is that's like my dream come true. Like mm-hmm. I wish, like I, you think about this, you're like like they have all that food left. The game's gonna end. They should discount it. You know, like there's perfect, uh, you know, fan. Uh, 
fan access right there. Yeah, yeah. Cheap food. Jeremy, what did you, Jeremy, you got a few uh, uh, items from their menu. What did you think of it? Yeah, yeah. To get into the food really quick. um, Well, first of all, before that, I I, I got the, uh, you know, and I posted a picture of the menu uh, on uh, on Instagram. Um, It was a very basic menu. Like sometimes if you go to like a Kane County Cougars game, sometimes they'll have like a carving station. You can get like a, you can get like a a brisket or something or like a, a, like a pot roast or something, some kind of like weird meat carving station. Um, and I was hoping for something similar to that, but this was very basic. It was like high school uh, concession stand. So they had hot dogs and uh, and pizza and nachos. So I went with the classic nachos. Um, and, you know, they were pretty good. They were pretty standard, but uh, but good. Uh, I'd give them points for having um, a, se- a section where you could put your own uh, jalapenos on there. So I loaded oh. that bad boy up. Okay, yeah. Because I, I uh, you know... Um, I, I'm I'm gonna say I average about three times, three or four times the average jalapeno consumption as a, a standard mm-hmm. uh, baseball going fan. So I was able to load that up. Yeah. So that was pretty good. So I I, I got the nachos, um, and then when the you know, and so you, most people would be done with that, I suppose. But then when I heard Dollar Dog and Dollar Pizza, I uh, sprung into action. I will say to my credit, uh, it was they made that announcement right before the big boys for the snappers were coming up. So I'm like, well, okay, listen, I'm gonna watch Armenteros and Beck, and as soon as uh, back, back actually got a double, and I'm like, I'm out of here. And mm-hmm. I went down to that that stand, and I got myself uh, a hot dog, and I got myself a slice of pizza. Um, and I, I was as I was in line for the pizza, I saw a little flag on the, the uh, concession stand saying that we proudly carry Pizza Hut pizza. Oh wow! And it almost turned me around in my in my in my steps. I was like, well, I don't need to pay even a dollar for this Pizza Hut pizza. Mm-hmm. But in the spirit of the game, uh, in the spirit of finding dining I, I went ahead and i got that so i i, I rolled back to our seats with a with a hot dog and a pizza and i gotta say the hot dog was pretty good mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty good for a ballpark dog and the, the the pizza hut pizza was serviceable for a dollar yeah yeah and you know i'll say jeremy you you earned you really earned that too because we did watch the at bats prior to you going um because the right. big boys were coming up armenteros and beck and so armenteros had like a particularly long at bat not only did he yeah. fall off a lot of pitches he fouled one off right into the quad city catcher's nuts um <laughs> uh ruben castro um and if if there was ever a name for a, a just a journeyman backup like catcher it would be ruben castro yeah. um th- that guy was such a catcher just with his build you'll look at him i love the guy you know, he was yeah. just uh, just uh, some dude toiling in the minor leagues. But uh, yeah, so he took a, a, a bad nut shot. Uh, he was down for quite a while. And the actually uh, to to go back to the uh, uh, people playing the music, they were they started playing everybody clap your hands, yeah. and yeah. like I think he did it like not just thinking it was a gap in the in the play, but then when he realized the guy was doubled over in, in uh, mind numbing pain, yeah. he stopped it. But then it actually stopped at a perfect point where it was like everybody clap. And then, like, you know, and then this guy's just doubled over, like, dying. And mm-hmm. so, like, I think I, I saw the guys in the booth, like, kind of chuckling about that. Yeah, I yeah. I think it was an accident. There's no implication. No, there, no. And, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, to Castro's credit, he did stay in the game. But that was a that was a long at bat. So that's that's another thing that, yeah. that happened. Um, and, and just to dovetail then, I guess, into uh, the, 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 the food and everything from there, uh, we maybe talk about the fans in the stands? Yeah, yeah. So there was one guy who, who kept, <laughs> he just kept going down. 
down and getting more food. It was like every half inning he would get another item from their menu. Yeah, he was really living it up. This guy was uh, like he was uh, uh, in a bacchanalian sort of uh, <laughs> food feast, like just like yeah, just uh, um, uh, uh, gorging himself. Um, he he first came back with uh, I believe the first thing he had were hot dogs. I think he had okay. two, two hot dogs wrapped up. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I couldn't confirm. I think he was with everyone, but I, I, I got the distinct notion that these were all for himself. And he was, he was, he was like not a big guy or anything. No. He was just gorging. And yeah. so, um, he, I think he came back with two hot dogs. And the, the thing that struck me about that specifically was that he walked right in front of us, uh, during Austin Beck's first at bat, I believe. Yeah. So this was another guy who didn't really seem to, uh, you know, <laughs> care about anything, but the food, this, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, back the first pitch to back or something, and he walks by with in my field of vision with like a like a, his arms clutching like a bunch of hot dogs. So. Yeah, and you know he was sitting right by. There was this group of like old people. I didn't really see that they had any kids around them, but they had like a bunch of like uh, stuffed turtles yeah. lined up on the benches. So I'm not sure if that 500 whatever it was included all of those turtles, but Possibly. they almost comprised about half of the attendance yeah, there. That's true. Um, I don't know what what was up with that. Uh, just they, yeah, like there are all different kinds of turtles. You saw I, I saw a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Yep. I saw some sort of Disney turtle. Like, yep. There was all kinds of turtles there. They've been collecting these for a while, bring them to the games, lay them out as if they're watching the game. Probably they were talking to them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess it was not a good luck charm. The snappers are in last place right now. They ended up dropping that game 3-2. Uh, to two. Um, Also, though, just there were these, um, you know, w- there were these very uh, incongruously, like, uh, good-looking women. They were like, you know, you had all of these Beloit fans, um, and then you had these two LA tens like yeah. sitting in the audience. You scope the you scope the crowd. You check out everyone who's out over there and everything, and you just couldn't help but notice that there were there were two uh, women there who just maybe s- sort of stood out a little bit. Yeah, and so it turns out that I think they were a couple of the players' girlfriends. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, then they were right by these guys with uh, the radar gun. Yeah, um, and they seem to be clocking for quad cities. Yeah, they were clocking for quad cities. We had actually so the starting pitch for Quad Cities was uh, Cesar Rosado. Um, we had actually wanted to ask those guys what they were clocking him at. Jeremy yeah. thinks it was about ninety four. Yeah, yeah. I think he was he was a hard tosser. I never we never got over there to uh, to ask him, but uh, um, yeah, it would be interesting. He 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 um, he seemed to have like. Definitely, like, liveliness to his fastball. Um, and he kind of had mediocre results. I mean, not bad, but not fantastic either. Yeah, and, you know, just uh, just to uh, do a follow-up on Nick Allen, um, just kind of observing him play. Uh, after the game, I got home and I read some stuff on MLB Pipeline about yeah. all of these guys. And so, uh, you know, the book on Allen uh, is that he's a really good fielder. He's a glove, um, yeah. yeah, but he just, his, his bat kind of isn't there yet. And uh, he did he did take an 0 for 4. He was hitting in the 9 hole, and, and he did take an 0 for 4. And, I mean, he didn't look particularly good doing it no so um his glove looks his glove looks ready to be in double or triple a at least he's got a great arm he's got a shortstop's arm but his bat really does seem like it has a long way to go yeah he was uh two he was hitting 207 going into the game and, yeah and, and he did get a hit the night after us i, I went okay. and i looked at that box score but uh yeah uh, that's good that's good i would not be surprised to see him spend an entire season in class a yep i could see that um but he is uh you know he is a really young kid he is out of high school so uh yeah, you know he, he's got a lot of development but i think you know i think he's going to be good yeah i like those i like those defensive guys and so you hope that he can just hit just enough to make it to the majors yeah maybe seem like kind of like a nick punto type oh, of, okay. type of guy yeah you know? sure maybe not as shredded as nick nick punto is actually sneaky shredded was he yeah because he started that whole like shredding off like ripping off the uh the jersey oh wow and i think that that was just a a, a way to just show off his like body <laughs> yeah i think he's like hey guys you know I'm, I'm ripped could you just rip my jersey off please <laughs> yeah there's like these uh jeremy and i have like uh uh 
lot. It's like there's there's like a list of players who are like deceptively ripped. Like I feel like Derek Dietrich would be on that uh, list yeah. for the Marlins. Also David Lowe, if you remember him yeah. uh, from the Orioles, also another guy who okay. was just like jacked. But um, yeah, you know um, <clears throat> the, uh, the stadium was a lot of fun. Uh, just having access, I think the the plus of of the game itself was like just having access to those players. Yeah, like, they're so close. And and I I haven't made a point of going to a lot of minor league games and getting autographs. But these guys were like they walked right by you, and so like I thought that was pretty cool. So much so like that um, when at one point when I was getting food, um, I was like in line at the concession stand, and like the, I walked down and I almost ran into a guy from Quad Cities go, trotting out to the bullpen. Oh wow! And like you're walking by and these guys are like going out to the bullpen and I was like getting my nachos and I was like embarrassed because like I was like oh these guys are like you know in top shape athletes and I'm here like hunched over with my nachos just like my mouth watering and just uh, just a slob basically yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was it was funny to uh, just kind of uh, <laughs> witness the disposition of the players as well um, yeah when they when they were walking out I think I may have seen Reagan because I saw a guy in a pitcher's jacket with a left-handed glove oh, okay. um, walking out before the game okay. and he uh, you know was drizzling uh, pregame and he like he felt the drizzle and he was just like ah and he like you know he kind of shook his head or whatever and that's kind of how all the guys seemed they, yeah. a, a lot of the guys for the most part just seemed uh, really tired yeah yeah we were talking about the grind mm-hmm. the grind of, of like these these guys like careers and their their seasons and everything and like yeah you know uh, playing in Beloit is not the most glamorous place to play you know um, with all due respect to, to Beloit but uh, you know uh, and so these guys toil away and they're they're playing and there's they, there's pressure on these guys and like pressure like from their families to to make money to be successful because these guys are like levels away uh, from being millionaires right and so like and then they got to deal with these freaks like with like with binders of could you sign this card and this card and this card and this card that's like man like you know like you know yeah and and you know you've got a guy like armenteros or you know some of the other foreign players who are just not only are they trying to adjust to playing uh, professional baseball but they're also they're also here in a completely new country in a new environment um uh, and so that's another adjustment that those guys have to make and uh you know you think every year you know the draft at least 1500 guys are drafted in the actual draft and all the international players that sign now not all of those players sign who are drafted but you figure that's that's a thousand plus guys who are coming into the league so that's a thousand guys who got to go i mean if the math would add up so um you know there's just a there's just a lot um on these guys and you know they're not all austin becks or nick (laughs) allen's or armenteros where they have a million bucks in the bank in a lot of cases these guys are just you know kind of following their dreams. They, yeah, there's a lot sure. of uncertainty. Um, so, I mean, I, I have a great deal of respect for it. But, um, you know, these guys, they drive in, you know, they drive around in dinky buses um, from town to town, and they probably stay in sleazy motels. And, uh, you know, it's it's a grind. And I think you could kind of really see that um, in the players' demeanors. Um, not in a bad way, just, uh, just yeah, you know. Just you a, think, real, a real way. You in know, in like a real way. You know, you think, oh, man, these guys get to play baseball for a living. That's so awesome. But um, I'm sure there's a lot, of, a lot about it that isn't awesome when you're in the miners yeah for sure for sure. Well, um, yeah, it was a great, great experience. Yeah, it was. It was a great experience. So thank you. Uh, thank you to the Beloit Snappers and, you know, everybody at Pullman Field. It had been a long time since I was back, but, you know, this wasn't one that Jeremy and I have talked uh, about a lot of the games we want to go to, and this sort of wasn't one of the ones that we were talking about a lot, but we ended up kind of making a, a t- you know, to pun intended here, a snap uh, decision to <laughs> yeah. go to this game a couple days before, and I'm really glad we did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Whenever you get a chance to see these uh, these minor league guys, uh, yeah, you, you should take it, take it, uh, take it, take the chance. Yeah, and we're going to be back next year, and uh, you know, uh, GM. 
of the Beloit Snappers, whoever you are, we're going to take you up on that pig calling contest yeah. offer. And don't you dare isolate the audio of this podcast and use it on, like you know illegally at your ballpark because we'll find you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we're telling you, we're, we're threatening you basically. Okay, well, that's going to about wrap up our experience at Pullman Field. Uh, once again, we had a great time, and before we sign off today, we just have a couple of quick baseball notes that we wanted to go over. Yeah, that's right. So, um, well, first thing, uh, this, uh, you know, I, I had this note prepared, and it, it like, uh, you know, tr- certain transactions have kind of, uh, kind of uh, stymied that. But um, I was going to say, um, a couple episodes ago, we talked about seeing Nick Swisher's last homer, right? Um, I think that I was going to say that I, I believe that I may have seen uh, Joe uh, Jose Batista's uh, Joey Bats's uh, final uh, major league home run um, and I was all set for that point and then uh, news came down today that he signed with the Mets you know I, I don't know why uh, Batista is all of a sudden such a hot commodity yeah uh, I know. among uh, among the uh, NL East at least uh, I had looked um, when looking at his statistics last year he played in 157 games and he batted 203 that's just yeah, dreadful it's pretty bad um, and that's coming on, a, that, I think he was on a one-year contract, too, uh-huh. that year. Yeah, um, well, uh, he has signed with the Mets, which means that we're going to get to see him this Thursday, possibly, uh, yeah, when that, we go to the Brewers-Mets game. Yeah, that dovetails nice into uh, the announcement for our next game. Yeah, this Thursday, uh, uh, May 24th, I believe, uh-huh. we are going to see uh, Mets at Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, Stephen Mats is due to pitch uh, for the Mets. We don't know. We think it might be Zach Davies uh, going into the for the Brewers. Uh, but who knows, Jeremy, maybe you will actually get to see uh, Bautista's last home run yet. Yeah, because I don't, I, I, if I had a gamble, I would say he's on borrowed time. So <laughs> any, any, any day could be his last uh, day. Well, Jeremy, uh, next year, uh, when you see Melky Cabrera hit a home run for the Braves, uh, yep. you'll know that it might just be his last. Yeah, and uh, he should know too. He should know that if I'm, if I have a ticket to the game, that he should start making, you know, his uh, final goodbyes to his teammates. Yeah, um, and just for the record, Melky Cabrera hasn't signed with the Braves as far as I know, but he's seems like one of those guys like Bautista or Swisher that the Braves would just pick up for no reason. Melky Cabrera is in the Indians Cubs game tonight. Oh, wow. Is he playing for the? Yeah. Yeah. It blew my mind. I saw his name out there and I was like, what? Like he's, (laughs) he's playing. I don't know when that happened. We missed it. But, um, and and as far as that Bautista Homer goes, I didn't see if he, if he did a bat flip. Uh Um, I was too busy because he hit it off of Carl, uh, off of uh, Jose Quintana. Mm -hmm. I was too busy cursing uh, the fact that uh, the Cubs gave up Eloy Jimenez for Quintana at that point because I was kind of mad at Quintana. So I was just envisioning uh, like a rowboat sailing away, like floating away with Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease like waving at me. And I was like, (laughs) bye, bye, Eloy. Bye, Dylan. (laughs) So I didn't see if he bat flipped. Well, uh, we also, um, uh, speaking of uh, pitchers and starting pitchers, uh, the Rays are doing something kind of odd with their rotation this year. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, uh, I thought that this was worth talking about. Like, um, So it was uh, Saturday and Sunday, right? Um, they had uh, Sergio Romo, relief pitcher Sergio Romo, career uh, relief pitcher mm-hmm. Sergio Romo, start uh, not only Saturday, but back-to-back on Sunday as well. And um, they, let's see, um they they said that it's something that hadn't been done for for a long time um we can talk about the last time that someone started back-to-back games it's kind of an interesting thing but we'll we'll save that for a second but um yeah he started he struck out the side on saturday pitched one inning and then he was out then sunday he pitched uh one and two-thirds i believe um and you know i thought it was pretty cool like you know i I think the rays uh their their pitching staff is a little bit in disarray but uh so it was an interesting uh, thing to do they're calling him the opener 
<laughs> well, uh, I, I think in one of those games, didn't the guy who relieved him go like six and a third innings or something? Yeah, like I think that? both of them, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan Yarbrough and, uh, and Matt Andrees. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that the Beloit game we saw, we saw a, basically a relief pitcher start for the Snappers, uh, yeah, pitched exactly. three really solid innings, and then we saw a uh, the starter come in and pitch six. So, I, you know, I, I don't think that this is going to revolutionize the game. Maybe you'll see more teams doing it, uh, you know, yeah. despite what Zach Cozart thinks. Right. Uh, but, um, but, you know, it, it might be a viable strategy going forward, and it seems like it certainly would uh, limit pitching changes if the pitchers are solid enough. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It, 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 it's funny that, yeah, it ties in really well with our uh, snappers experience. But, yeah, let's talk about uh, Zach Cozart here for a mm-hmm. second. Mm-hmm. He's, he, so he, he came out and he said, uh, it's bad for baseball. It's like spring training out there. And really what he's complaining about is that he was prepared for Matt Andres to, to be on the mound and he wasn't ready for, for Romo to be pitching. And, and so it's like, what, what's wrong? Like, what's your problem? Like, what do you get mad in the seventh inning when a p- relief pitcher comes in? Yeah. The Rays definitely owe him an apology for not making his at bats as comfortable as they possibly could be. For yeah, him. exactly. Mr. Like bad for baseball. I'm calling him Mr. Donkey man. He, <laughs> this is the same guy who had a donkey on the field. Uh, you know, and granted Joey Votto gave him the donkey, mm-hmm. but, but like, is that good for baseball? The donkey probably took a crap like on the, in foul territory. Like, is that good for the, who was play, playing first base that day? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Zach Cozart. Cozart also, uh, the next day, I think he mentioned that another reason he he dislikes this is he feels that um, if more teams start going to it, uh, teams won't pay starters as much money. Yeah, I heard that. Um, there was a pitcher who said that. I can't remember who it is. Oh, it was Jordan Zimmerman. Okay. It's like, okay, Zimmerman, try getting your ERA under five, and then, you know, then yeah. worry about, like, you Despite know. the fact that you got a huge contract from yeah, the Tigers. Yeah, exactly. As if, like... You know, the game changes like, you know, I like GMs aren't going to be like like if if you were in negotiations with a GM and he's like, well, you only started 20 games. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, they did that thing with the with the opener, the quote unquote opener. And it's like, no, I don't I don't I don't have that information in front of me. It just says here that you started 20 games, you know, so I'm sorry, we're going to cut, you know, a couple million off your salary. Like it's like, what, what are we talking about here? I don't know. Anyway, it, it, yeah. So it, what started off as like a nice little fun fact um, became a, a point of a- aggravation for me with well, the, with the Cozart comments. Well, Jeremy, uh, uh, so when when you say started back to back games, uh, does that mean started games on consecutive days? Because I think there yep. have been a couple guys who started a game before and after the All Star break. Um, yeah. which maybe is not as uncommon, but who was the last guy to start it on back-to-back days? Well, I was going to ask you that if you, if okay. you had a guess. Do you have Ooh. a guess? Um, uh, was it in 2012, they said? Yes. Ooh, um, uh, I would say... Uh, it should be near and dear to your heart. Oh, okay. Uh, was it uh, Jeff Supon? It's not Jeff Supon. It was, in fact... Zach, Zach Kroenke. Oh, man, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, it, but an interesting, he started three games in a row. What? Uh, so, what were the circumstances? He started three games that? in a row, but two days in a row. Uh-huh. He, he started a game, um, and he got tossed in the first inning okay. for arguing balls. And, I, can't, I remember when this happened. He yeah. got tossed for arguing balls and strikes. So, then they started on the next game, uh-huh. and that game happened to be the last day before the All-Star break. Uh-huh. And then he started the game after the All-Star break. So, he actually started three games in a row. Wow. That's interesting. It's pretty interesting. Okay. Um, they, there was a guy, I don't remember the name now, but it was like since 1935 or something, a guy who started a game, 
struck out the side and only pitched one inning. Mm-hmm. And that was like Romo did that on Saturday. And then the, the previous guy was like 1935 or something. Okay. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and Ro- Romo's actually a really cool guy. Like, um, uh, I remember I like, I was a fan of those like 2010, 2012, uh, giants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he got the last out of one of those world series and, uh, I, I like that guy. He's yeah. a, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Um, so let's see, let's uh, just a couple more things uh, before we wrap up. I, this is not a baseball thing, but I wanted to bring this up. Uh, the Vegas golden Knights, uh, and hockey is pretty crazy. Like now they're in the Stanley cup finals. I gotta be, uh, definitely the greatest expansion team ever. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty remarkable thing. Um, and uh, I just felt like we should mention that, uh, you know, it, it, at this point, we got to root for them to, to win the, the cup. It would be a pretty cool story. So that will just about do it for us uh, this week. Um, just a reminder to follow us at uh, Rain Delay Pod on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Facebook dot com slash randalay pod uh if you want to send us a email or any sort of message or anything like that uh we are at randalaypod at gmail.com and uh always you can check out our website at randalaytheater.com uh for jack i'm jeremy signing off uh we'll see you uh very soon with the mets brewers recap later